The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. And this week, we have a double-stuffed episode with the editor-in-chief of Copyblogger, my colleague and friend, Stephanie Flaxman, who stopped by to rap with me about her journey from solopreneur to headline honcho, the rules of ruthless editing, her philosophy of creativity, and much more. Steph's a professional writer and editor, who manages the editorial team for copyblogger.com, where she helps publish one of the most influential and popular content marketing and writing blogs available for a large audience of online writers. Incidentally, Copyblogger is the reason the Writer Files exists and where the written series was started. A longtime contributor to the Copyblogger community, Steph officially joined the team in 2014 with a mission to help ensure stringent editorial standards and create content aimed at helping fellow entrepreneurs stand out from the competition. Ms. Flaxman's weekly podcast, Editor-in-Chief, which ran from 2015 to 2016, delivered her signature art of writing updated for marketing in the digital age. Before Copyblogger, Steph ran her own online writing and editing shop, Revision Ferry, which she started in 2008. She's also done stints as the West Coast office manager for Media Bistro and an editor for PR Newswire. In part one of this file, Steph and I discuss her early exposure to journalism and unique path to a career in writing and editing, how her discovery of Brian Clark's trailblazing blog helped her take her own business to the next level, why great things happen when you make yourself vulnerable, how Steph became a true triple threat in her field, why you should write every day, no matter how busy you are, and how to incorporate balance and philosophy into your content mindset. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. All right, we're back once again with an esteemed guest on the Writer Files today. 
I've got a very good friend of mine, Stephanie Flaxman, is here. How are you today, Steph? I'm doing well, Kelton. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be talking to you. As we were warming up earlier, trying to get our get our natural rapport back. It's kind of cool because you and I sit in a weekly editorial meeting and I get mm-hmm. to uh, kind of get a glimpse into the inner workings of your editorial brain and, and mind and, and creative process every week. It's, it's uh, always fun to listen to, especially to listen to you and Sonia Simone, who's also been on the show, rap about writing and, and ideas for pieces for copy bloggers. So catch us up a little bit, maybe for listeners who aren't kind of familiar with your background as a writer. I mean, you've been, you've been doing the editing and writing thing for, uh, years and years over a decade, I think. Right. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give us the, the story about how you came to be the editor in chief for copy blogger and, you know, all the things you do now, obviously you manage, you know, writers and, and you edit, you write a prolific amount of, uh, (laughs) pieces for them. And, oh, and full disclosure, obviously, uh, we do work together. Um, We do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't sit in on editorial meetings just out of sheer curiosity. I'm not, I haven't been invited to. You hack into them. Yeah. Just just be a a fly on the wall. Who is that guy always listening to our Skype meetings. Because um, you are invited, and we're very happy to have you there. Yeah, but tell us how you came to be um, the editor-in-chief for this very large audience. I mean, I think at last I checked, I mean, it's just hundreds of thousands of of readers, you know, and, and email subscribers. So maybe just catch us up a little bit on how, how you got here from, you know, maybe the early days of your professional editing career and your kind of solopreneur career over at uh, your writing and editing business. Yeah. It, it sounds surreal to me, even saying that now, even though it's been a while, it'll be uh, four years uh, this year in 2018 when I started working for copy blogger. Um, yeah. And I like that I'm still like, wow, that is kind of amazing because there was a time where that was really like what I wanted to do. And uh, yeah, so it's it's very, my, my writer editor story is very, the short version, and I'll go into more details, is that um, it's very one thing leading to another. Oh, but what I was saying about the, that I've uh, worked for the company for four years now, it's even though it it's become, you know, like, day-to-day work, um, I like taking a step back all the time uh, and never, I don't want to take it for granted um, because I I have that memory still. It's still very fresh even after all these years that it was something that I really wanted uh, to do. It was a company I really wanted to be involved with uh, when I was working for myself. And so, okay, we can take it back to to the beginning. Um, Again, I will try to not, I, I I don't tell short stories very well, but I, I'll try not to. I'm always like long story long because I can never make it short. I, I'm an only child, and so I'm in my head a lot uh, for my whole life. That's kind of where I've lived. Uh, so I've always really liked writing and journaling, and I never really thought of it professionally. And I was even actually thinking that I I was probably really in the moment as a, as a child and as a teenager because I didn't really think think about what I wanted to do professionally. I never really was looking that forward 
and because I, I, I don't, it was never like, I want to be a writer. I want to be an editor. I think I was just really in the moment and I was always very passionate about things that I did. And so writing was, I guess you would call it a hobby. I would always journal and do extra writing things that, you know, came to my mind. Always lots of spiral notebooks at the time it was spiral notebooks. Now I have lots of moleskines all over my desk, hmm. um, which is my favorite notebook. Uh, mm-hmm. but so at, when I was in high school and I was reminded of this because our coworker, Lauren Thompson, she wrote a post about when she started taking journalism classes in college that she encountered her first sort of old school journalist teacher who really taught her about ruthless editing. And I had that experience in high school that I was reminded of from reading Lauren's article that I completely took for granted. And I still take it for granted now, except that um, I'm at a point where I'm I'm really reflecting and appreciating it. So I took journalism classes um, all four years of high school and um, we had a newspaper uh, yearbook and we had broadcast journalism, which was kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Again, took it for granted um, that we have our own television station that we, uh, you know, so I had some on air experience in mm. high school. Um, completely, completely took it for granted. Like, oh, can't, doesn't everyone do this in high school? Um, <laughs> Wait, this is in Los Angeles or? In Los Angeles, yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, that makes and, sense. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, they teach journalism in kindergarten in Los Angeles. <laughs> right, exactly. I probably had some exposure uh, even before high school now that I'm thinking about it. So it's all like things that I completely took for granted. Um, and even now, things that are second nature to me, I'm like, wow, I learned that 20 years ago. It's not like it was always second nature. I just learned it a long time ago and it feels like it's natural, you know, grammar rules that I know or headline rules that I know, AP style rules that I know. Mm-hmm. I take a step back. I'm like, oh, I know that because it's just I've just been doing it for a long time. But even though I was taking all those journalism classes in high school, I had no uh, drive like I'm going to be a journalist or I'm going to be a writer. I I was just doing it because that's what I liked. Uh, And I had a really great instructor who I I learned passed away last year. Uh, But he was uh, just what you would picture old school journalist. Um, always with the coffee in hand. Um, <laughs> I just remember so much coffee and I don't think I drank coffee in high school. Uh, so then, uh, in college I majored in philosophy because I w- wasn't a huge fan of our English department. I started taking some English classes, just again, that natural progression of doing all the journalism in high school. Uh, I wasn't a super fan of the literature and the professors, but I really liked the philosophy department when I started taking those classes. Uh, I started off double majoring in philosophy and anthropology, and then I dropped anthropology to a minor, and I did honors in philosophy. Uh, And so then when it came time to get a job, all of my experience, for the most part, was editing editing things. I did a lot of tutoring, and at the college that I went to, I went to a small liberal arts college, and... We had um, like a peer tutoring thing that I did for work where basically at night students could drop in in the library and there was like a section where you could just wait and get your writing reviewed. And I got a job doing that. I don't remember how I qualified. Someone recommended me. And then so I did that and I did tutoring stuff. So I started working as an editor right after college. Hmm. 
it was just like when I had to put together a resume, like a, oh, I graduated from college resume, so much stuff added up that <laughs> I could yeah. qualify to be um, an editor. So my first job out of college, I worked at PR Newswire, editing press releases. Then I worked at Media Bistro after I worked at PR Newswire. And then after Media Bistro is when I started my own, I started doing freelance work. And uh, a coworker at Media Bistro, when she found out that I was uh, going to be a freelance editor, because I didn't, I still wasn't embracing writing yet. Um, I was just like, I'm just going to do editing. I'm going to specialize in editing. <laughs> she told me there's this website. This was like in, in 2008, 10 years ago. She said, there's this website called Copy Blogger. Uh, and if you're going to be working for yourself, I think you might benefit from reading it, you know, just as a suggestion. Yeah. So uh, that's absolutely how I found out about Copy Blogger. It was um, through, and this was a coworker that I didn't even really know. Uh, she worked in New York. I and I worked in Los Angeles. Um, hmm. So it wasn't someone who I interacted with uh, daily at all. She just randomly passed along this information to me. Um, so I started reading Copy Blogger and um, Brian at first. I read everything Brian. I really connected to his writing style. Mm -hmm. And um, this is Brian Clark, the founder. Ryan Clark, copy the, founder, the founder of Copy Blogger, um, instant connection with uh, his writing, and I had I I knew stuff about marketing, but to me it just took everything that I knew to a different level and really made me reflect on a lot of things, um, rather than like oh yeah that sounds right. Um, so I really liked how much Copy Blogger made me think, and the, the cool thing about which this is a fun time to mention it is I knew you through your writing Helton before oh, wow. we ever talked. Like I knew who you were because I read copy blogger and you know, anytime there was a new writer that I'd see like their author name, you know, I, I would wanted to get familiar with any of them because hmm. it was such a, so I knew who you were through your writing. That is the power of writing. That's crazy. And yeah, the writer file series on copy blogger. I just, um, that's how I met Robert which is, yeah. um, <laughs> that's really the, the, to answer your question is, uh, Robert is why I'm here. I owe Robert everything, but he would say no, which he has because he's so nice. Right, and right. he's like, you did the work. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. 
I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. That's cool. And that, and Robert Bruce, who is Robert now VP of marketing for Rainmaker digital services who we've worked with for years great guy he's been on he's done a couple episodes of uh writer porn here on the on the podcast as well and he's a lot of fun to uh he's always fun to rap with isn't he she's so fun yeah <laughs> we um we can geek I... out we can geek out about <laughs> writing for hours like a standard like check-in call would often turn into discussions of uh uh you know ridiculous literary references where you're just like what what are we even talking about <laughs> or how do we get the end of the call get on the subject yeah <laughs> right oh yeah so much fun um that was really lucky that robert and i uh started talking on twitter because i knew who robert was because of copy blogger and i didn't try to pitch myself or anything i didn't want to be I wanted to get involved with copy bloggers so much, but I just couldn't do, I don't know. It just, you got to wait for the right time. It's like, you know, when there's a, I think a big skill is knowing when to wait and knowing when to take action. Mm. Um, Cause I think there's a time for each and yeah. um, it just didn't feel right because I, Again, the work, it would have been the same thing if we ended up talking about, I had so much respect for your work and his work that I didn't want to just explode with like, well, I love copy bloggers. So we just started <laughs> talking um, on Twitter a little bit, like nothing, um, nothing huge um, at all. And then I think about six months after that with very little contact, um, he messaged me and asked if I wanted to write a guest post for copy blogger. Uh, he just, I think he, he was running the blog at that time. And, yeah. um, I think he was looking for new authors and he happened or something about editing and he happened to remember that we talked and then he looked at my site. Um, and he liked, uh, my stuff on my site. And so this is revision fairy. Revisionfairy.com, yeah. yeah. Um, which is still kind of there. <laughs> I see it. Um, There's you your see face. It. <laughs> it, it has my face. My face is all over there. <laughs> it's all over that site, which was, a, which was a tough thing for a while. My first version of that site, I was like, I don't need a photo. This is mm. back in 2008. I'm like, I don't think I want that. I don't think I want to talk about myself at all. Um, sure. And then nobody knows anything about you and they don't want to hire you because <laughs> you look like you're maybe not real. Um, so that had to change. Uh, and it did. And copy blogger helped me with that. So, um, so from guest posting to copy blogger to, um, timing and stars aligning where I was looking to not work for myself anymore after six years. And I was just reached the turning point of, I felt like I plateaued of what I could do 
on my own mm-hmm. and by myself. And it, it took a toll just being really alone. I didn't work with anyone. It was all just me and my work for that time. And uh, so I was looking for being part of a team and at the same time where copy bloggers growth, where they were looking to bring someone in who was an editor. So four years ago, almost four years ago, um, that, that aligned, it was, it was timing, but it was a result of copy blogger going and as a result of me growing and it just, and it worked out. So a lot of great things happen when you make yourself vulnerable because I had mentioned to Robert eight months before I started working for the company when I was guest posting that I was looking for a change. Hmm. And that made me really uncomfortable that I um, was admitting that, uh, you know, what I was doing you know, wasn't working out for me anymore and that I wanted to do uh, something different because I was so used to having that as my identity. So. But I also thought, oh, I have to put it out there. I have to let Robert know. Otherwise, how is anyone going to know that I'm looking? (laughs) Right. Um, You know? Yeah. uh, Now, that's an uncomfortable feeling, kind of putting yourself out there. Yeah, I did not like it. Yeah, it it was very, um, very comfortable. I just felt exposed from it. But Robert, because, again, praising Robert so great, he remembered eight months later when on the editorial call they were having that conversation that, you know, should we bring someone on? Um, you know, who would it be? And then yeah. um, Jared uh, reached out to me. It was a very happy email kind of out of the blue because eight months after I mentioned it to Robert, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. I was still doing um, revision fairy work. It was it was actually a really great eight months. I, I was having a really great eight months uh, <laughs> of work. And so it was kind of not in my mind anymore. I didn't think it would ever happen. And then I got an email from Jared. Interesting. Uh, asking what my availability was and if I was interested. And uh, we, it worked out. That's cool. We all, we all got along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll link to the revision fairy because you, you can take a look at Steph's uh, set up over there. It's a cool site, but she's not taking any business. Presently. It says, yeah, it you says that I can't steal I'm... stuff <laughs> uh, from copy blogger. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, of course, you've written, I mean, you've written something like 100 pieces for copy blogger now, it seems like. You know, when, you, when I look at your author page, it, it just stretches into infinity, seemingly. <laughs> it's very cool. I mean, the stuff you write about, obviously, we, we kind of have some crossover in, in what we write about. You write a lot about creativity and and uh, well, just some of more your more recent posts, like seven unusual signs on the path to a breakthrough. Uh, no is my favorite word, one of my favorite words also. <laughs> Great post. Uh, yeah. The power of believing you're an artist. I'll, I'll link to the to the author page, obviously. And you, so you've done a lot of work now, editing and writing, and you you kind of marry it all together. So you're like a triple threat. <laughs> in the business uh is that what how you would consider I like yourself that. <laughs> I like all the triple writing editing managing writing. cracking right. the whip over there getting those writers into shape who might happen to be one um no you're great you're a great editor and no very and kind. you're a, you're a great writer oh, <laughs> stop. <I> manage too. <laughs> stop it no, no i'll take all the praise you want to heap on me but in all seriousness, yeah, and I've actually 
uh, helped you to produce a podcast, mm-hmm. great, a great show that we did on Rainmaker FM called Editor-in-Chief. You can find those uh, actually in the archives. They still live on Rainmaker FM, so I'll link to that if anyone wants to, to um, take a look at Stephanie's archives of advice over there. The Art of Writing updated for marketing in the digital age. And, and it was a great show. You had a great run. And uh, there are many, many episodes on professional editorial standards that help distinguish you from your competition. Definitely missed that. Mm-hmm. That the, was, yeah, that was nuggets. fun. Um, I think they're over 50 episodes, maybe around 50 episodes. Yeah, and they're, they're kind of evergreen, right? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, great, I really, great advice even, there. Um, yeah, I think a lot of stuff would be relevant now. That was um, that was a great opportunity. I like that show a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, what are you working on presently? Or was there any anywhere else you wanted to point listeners to uh, your your stuff out there? I think I think you got it. I my author page is is great it will because it starts on copy blogger because it starts at the most recent yeah. and then you can uh, go back and on revision fairy uh i publish once a month on revision fairy a writing prompt a creative writing prompt just a random little thing and then i ask questions related to the prompt and it's supposed to get the juices flowing cool um so that is um so it's not overwhelming if you subscribe over there it you really just get one uh, creative writing prompt a month. So that that is the extent. But I do have other writing and ebooks that I've done over yeah. on Revision Fairy. So yeah, those two places are if you want to check out more of my stuff. Those are good. Yeah, you got it. Right on. Well, um, let's talk about kind of how you how you put all the pieces together daily on a daily, weekly basis. Um, let's talk about your productivity and because you're doing all these things you are a triple threat uh (laughs) you probably have some systems in place that are helping you get it all done because i can't imagine how you wouldn't um Mm -hmm. be an incredibly uh fastidious or or some organized person but um yeah uh let's talk about productivity how much time are you kind of researching or reading or studying the competition or hmm yeah, that I was thinking about that and I have trouble reading or watching anything and it not being work because I'm always thinking of connecting the dots like even commercials or ads. So in my downtime I pretty much have to do nothing <laughs> if yeah. I want my brain to relax because mm-hmm. so I feel like most of I try to keep work hours um and I'm pretty good at that. But I feel like most, because uh, I do like you know watching or reading things in my spare time. I feel like the whole day is a lot of research. I put more emphasis on research than reading, um, because reading is actually not one of my favorite things to do outside of work. Hmm. Uh, I don't read for pleasure, really, which people always find <laughs> surprising. Um, but I do read a lot during the day, and I think I even read after work but it's kind of work related things i i'm just you know not official work time mm-hmm. uh, but to me everything is research interesting um so i would i would say i spend the whole day um you know whatever i'm doing you know, reading your posts when you submit them to me is research because then i get sure. ideas for things that i want to riff off of um 
uh, things that I really liked. So, uh, so yeah, research more than reading, but I do read a lot because I'm reading for work and, um, everything that I look at for work takes me on tangents of research for things, which leads to, Oh, you know, like you mentioned competition. Um, so things that we link to of relevant articles, um, you know, stuff like that is research because then it takes me to other sites that are talking about similar things that we talk about. And it's all very connected. Um, it's sort of, it's sort of like organized chaos, which probably (laughs) a lot of, a lot of people say with, you know, who work, uh, in creative professions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you write practically every week for the blog, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then you were having to turn around and edit other, writer's work um so then are are you blocking a chunk for your own writing are you blocking a chunk for the editing Mm -hmm. are they bleeding together how how are you how are you staying on task i do um i do separate uh my work out and they do bleed together but there's no consequence of that really if i if i do it correctly i also have a funny thing where when i have a lot of other non-writing work to do all i want to do is write and then when i've cleared out my whole schedule because i finished everything else i want to do and only have time to write i'm like twiddling my thumbs like, <laughs> i don't feel like writing right now like whatever yeah. i have to be doing i don't want to be doing that i want to be doing the other thing interesting so that does speak to the blocking because one thing that i, I like doing is so monday through friday work time i pretty much write every day for even if it's like 20 minutes or under, mm-hmm. um, there, there's some writing going on. But like you said, yeah, I'm kind of juggling a lot of other things. So my kind of routine, I would say, is I like attending to my other responsibilities, whether, you know, it's managing, responding to emails, uh, editing, uh, images, um, I, I say I do the art direction for the images on Copy Blogger, mm-hmm. um, and Claire, uh, our wonderful Claire Garrett, um, hi puts Claire, that together for me, <laughs> hi, Claire. She's not um, listening to this. <laughs> Claire's never going to hear this. Uh, Claire does wonderful work, um, so I, I work with her on our images, and um, so I like getting that work out of the way before I sit down to write. I would say in the second part of the day, that being said, part of my process, um, and sort of the routine that I've just had to get, that I've gotten comfortable with. And I still kind of getting comfortable with it. Cause I, I always, it's different every time. That's the thing about writing, uh, for me at least is it comes out differently and depending like on the week, depending on what I'm working on. So I usually can't relax during a week until I have an outline or a draft mm. of of what I'm doing. At, at that point, I sort of um, I'm a little more at ease because until the outline or the draft comes out, it's just like I don't know how this is going to happen. Even though, like you said, I've had about a hundred articles on Cobb Blogger and I did <laughs> plenty of writing before that. Every week, I'm still like I don't know how I'm going to do this. But you learn to trust, so I'm not completely uh, on edge. Um, but so when that draft comes out, I don't have a lot of control over. Um, so sometimes it's first thing in the morning 
You know, mm. I have other things I need to do, but I have to spend maybe up to two hours working on draft if it's coming out of me. Um, other times it will be, you know, be in the afternoon or even uh, I think it was last week I was doing laundry at night and I had to change my stuff from the washer and put it in the dryer. I was like, oh, I just need to write down one thing. And again, I try not to work after like late hours. Um mm. Because I, I think the decompressing time is really important. But I was like, I have to write this down. Like, this is work. I can't not do this. And I was like 45 minutes late putting my stuff into the dryer. <laughs> like, my wet clothes were just sitting there. <laughs> but I had to do it. You know, there, there was no, uh, I didn't have a choice. It was work that I had to do. I couldn't stop my brain or, or stop the ideas. Because um, then I would just kick myself the next day when I was, when I would be sitting there twiddling my thumbs going, well, wh what did I want to say? So, um, so I have a little control over when the outline or the draft that really helps me narrow down what the point of what I'm writing is mm -hmm. when that happens. Um, but then after that point, I feel relief and my actual more fine tuning, getting a full draft that would make sense to someone sessions and then ultimately uh, more revisions and more editing and more proofreading. Those sessions mm -hmm. usually come to me. I can schedule them for later in the day because at that point, um, it, it's exactly what I said before. I want to get my other responsibilities out of the way and then I can focus on writing the second half of the day. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it sounds like the wheels are just kind of always turning, churning. Mm -hmm. The ideas are just kind of uh, incubating in the mm -hmm. background. And then when they're, once they're kind of fully formed, it's cool because you, you just kind of ha always have your finger on the pulse, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it must be interesting how, how it all finally comes out. And you've got just all these different great, re not only resources in your pieces, but there is that philosophy piece don't you think yeah just kind um, of like the, yeah. the the you know you do you do some of these think pieces that are mm -hmm. you know definitely like they're philosophical i get it now like i think because yeah, I, I study philosophy <laughs> <laughs> and it's all coming together <laughs> that's where it came from yeah i had no idea i was uh i there was a point in college i started thinking more about what i wanted to do professionally um because like i was saying when i was a kid i didn't really have an idea. Uh, I wanted to go to like, grad school for philosophy and be a philosophy professor. Hmm. And I feel like, oh, I kind of get to do that now. I didn't realize that was going to be able to be part of my job. Not that I'm a philosophy professor now, but I use it. You know, it, it's like kind of a joke degree, uh, philosophy degree from a liberal arts school. Um, but 
you know, I'll make fun of myself with that, <laughs> but I use it. I, yeah. I, I well, really I mean, there is them. something about ph- philosophy though, wouldn't you say that trains your thinking process or your, at least your ability to tackle, you know, tackle the, the, the bigger thought pieces, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause you're having to be kind of very deliberate about the way you're thinking about things. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and it to me it ties into editing too because what I liked about philosophy in school was arguing for a point. Right. Um, and then it, it, there really wasn't a whole lot of right or wrong. It just was how well you could argue for the point you want to make. And to do that, you have to be a good editor. Um, so then the stuff that I did in high school and, and the editing that I learned there kind of came into play too because I did well in philosophy in college um, because I could write very precise arguments about things. Um, and a lot of that has to do with editing. Um, my editing skill, I wasn't just mindlessly ranting and saying it's philosophy, you know, cause that's kind right. of, you know, like the navel gazing, like what's the point of this? Um, I, everything that I did sort of came together is, oh, I can do really focused things. So that benefits me for copy blogger too, because I, again, being a good fit for the company is I tightly edit my own work, um, as well. Uh, so having that skill set has been really helpful. So when I am doing philosophical things, it's not just, uh, Sonia and I use the term unicorn vomit, uh, for (laughs) things that just sort of, um, ramble and have no point and you're trying to be too cutesy. I get a little cutesy in my writing, but, um, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but of course, because it's my own writing, um, I think it's okay, but there's a point uh, yeah, Sonia and I, sure. you know, joke like the point is good. It is good to have a point. Yeah. Um, so I can have that sort of questioning element in my work. I like questioning things. I like looking at things from different perspectives without it being too self-indulgent or too, again, what's the point? Cause I think it can go in that direction. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I think the analytical and the cr- critical pieces of, philosophy and then you know the rhetoric stuff you know kind of that arguing mm-hmm. uh, you know it definitely all plays into uh successfully not only conveying a point online but uh connecting with your audience mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. like you say we're not navel gazing at copy blogger you know we have a very we have a goal <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> you know and a yeah, lot of it exactly. is teaching but you are literally teaching online content creators to be more effective at connecting with their audience content marketing you know that's really half the half of the battle there Mm -hmm. so you can't be like you said you can't just be amorphous in your in your your content (laughs) yeah and you know i was even thinking it kind of goes back to what i said about brian uh clark's writing earlier that the philosophical elements work for copy blogger or it's what I'm about because I, lots of people were talking about the same things that Brian uh, was talking about. Actually, not a lot. I don't think in 2008 there were a lot, but other people were. There were other marketing, copywriting blogs um, out there. But Brian just really made me think. Um, and that's why I wanted to hear what he had to say on topics and not other people. And I, you know, I read other blogs and I learned actually a lot about other ones that I liked through copy blogger 
through guest posters and, and things like that. But it, yeah, Brian's work, it, it's not like what I really like about content marketing is you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but if you make your audience think and give them a different way to look at things, um, and, and present really it's about the presentation, you know, having a presentation that connects, that shows that, you know, what you're talking about, that you understand your audience member struggles. And so I, I think philosophy works with that because it is an element that helps you, um, connect with the people that you want to reach. Cause it's not that it's so hard to connect with people. It's just, people don't, if people don't know you, how could they connect? It, it actually goes back to where I was saying where I didn't think I needed a photo on my website in 2008. And I didn't think that I needed to write about myself at all. But if people don't know your point of view, why would they connect? You know, they can't connect with it and they probably won't even pay attention to it. So there's all this balance stuff uh, with content marketing. But we have, if you can be philosophical, but have the goals, like you said, um, that is kind of like striking that balance that I think helps with, with audience building. For sure. Well, it, it sets you apart as a writer because, you know, there's a lot of bad writing out there and there's a lot of great writing that never gets seen too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, there's, it's kind of interesting to get a glimpse into your, your thought processes and your brain. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.